Welcome to Brand Talks, a monthly podcast about turning purpose into profit, brought to you by Feel Good Brands. I'm Sarah Harrison from the Feel Good Brands team, and today we're catching up with Anne Perkins, founder of Perkia, a range of functional snack bars that is shaking up the free-from category, injecting some much-needed joy, colour, hope and goodness into this traditionally uninspiring and compromised sector. Perking it up, you might say. Hi, Anne. Great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Sarah. I'm so delighted to be here. For our listeners, for anyone who hasn't heard of Perkia, could you give us just a little bit of background to the brand? Yeah, so we're a young, independent British company. Um, we make really super healthy snack bars. We like to think they're the healthiest on the planet. We haven't found anything quite as healthy yet. Um, but whilst health is important, it also make sure that they always taste really delicious and they're sustainably sourced as well. Um, so, yeah, so some of the things that we work on um, at Perkio is making sure all our bars are high in fibre because most of us don't eat mm-hmm. enough. Um, they're packed with plant proteins. Um, and more recently as well, we've been fortifying with vitamins and minerals um, and probiotics and prebiotic fibre as well. So they do a lot for uh, strengthening your immune system and um, and for your gut health too. Brilliant. And so the business, to correct me if I'm wrong with any of my dates, but the business was born in 2015, wasn't it? And the idea for your bar, so your inspiration very much came from personal experience. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So prior to um, setting up Perker, I had a successful career and, you know, I lived a good life. But I think behind the scenes, there were quite a few sort of health issues that kept bubbling up. Um, I used to struggle with energy levels. Um, I used to have quite a lot of digestive health issues. And um, and I also had some low moods, you know, sometimes when I really felt down. And I tried to unpick it myself. I went to the doctor on numerous occasions and it was probably over about 15 years, really, trying to get to the bottom of it. And I think in the end, I, I more or less thought that, well, this is the way I am. This is, you know, this is me and this is sort of what, where, what I need to manage. Um, but then my, my partner um, sort of encouraged me to go back to the doctor again and went to see a specialist. And then I was diagnosed with celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease, meaning that I need to be gluten free and also other food intolerances, including dairy. And as soon as I took out gluten and dairy from my diet, oh, my God, I just felt amazing. I just was buzzing with energy. I never had low moods. I just felt so positive. And my digestive health issues really ebbed away. Um so, yeah, so really that was the sort of, I guess, the journey for me from a sort of food point of view. But whilst it was a huge relief um, to feel so good and to sort of like, I guess I always used to say, like, feel like my, myself on a good day. Um, when I started shopping free from and, you know, avoiding the gluten, the dairy, I just found the choices of foods um, really, I think, just really disappointing. Having been quite a foodie person and I worked in the food industry before and I always loved brands, I just felt a bit like, well, it's all a bit yeah a bit drab a bit dull you know there's lots of earthy colors the branding wasn't really sort of appealing to me as a consumer I found that the health credentials were really poor so there was a lot of padding with extra sugars and unhealthy fats and starches and just things that were sort of cheap and sort of plugged the gap I guess um and then also I think from an ethical point of view as well there were there were some gaps there for me um so yeah so I started um just sort of experimenting in the kitchen 
Wow. And it literally, that's, that's where it started in your kitchen. And with yeah. that, that, the trigger being your own personal health journey and that, that struggle. I mean, gosh, there's so we could probably do an entire podcast just talking about gut. I mean, my, my, myself and my youngest son, we are, um, gluten free, um, mm. as well. And it just, um, yeah, it's, it, it's actually been sort of life changing for, for both of us. Mm. And that link between gut, um, and how you, how you kind of feel in your head. Yeah. The, kind of the fuzzy head or the or the the low yeah. moods it really mm-hmm. it's it's an area that has that that I think is starting to gather traction in terms of that conversation but there's still so much that we don't know yeah but I I totally agree and I think this idea of yeah having um sort of brain fog and and even the idea that that could somehow be related to your gut was just a mm. no-no but now the science clearly proves that gut health is like intrinsically linked with your how you feel and what your mood can be like so for example if you've got a healthier gut then the level of cortisol which is a stress hormone um, can be significantly reduced because your gut just doesn't create it in as much of the cortisol and about 90 percent of your serotonin which is often named as sort of like the happy hormone mm-hmm. is generated in the gut so yeah i think a lot of us that have you know made that transition to go gluten-free and have in the meantime, you know, struggled with fuzzy head, foggy head, low moods. Um, it is, it's, it's just life giving, really. Um, but the science is definitely catching up and, and in a really exciting area. Um, and, and what about, um, the health profession? Uh, well, more, more sort of GPs and doctors who I know obviously are under sort of huge amounts of, of pressure at the moment. But I remember, um, when I was diagnosed with, ulcerative colitis also an immune disorder mm. uh gosh 15 at least 15 years ago I did talk to my consultant about diet and unfortunately it was just it was just really kind of uh it, it just it just wasn't on his radar as a solution he was very much let's go down the route of, of steroids and I actually did my own research and realized that I could heal myself through 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 nutrition mm-hmm. um so I just wonder obviously that was that was kind of 15 years ago I just mm-hmm. wonder if the medical industry are are catching up and catching on from what I hear, not so much. I mean, I'm a big fan of Dr. Chatterjee, um, and um, he's obviously, you know, very tapped into the current medical um, profession. I've certainly heard on his podcast say that, you know, it's literally only a matter of hours of education that uh, medical students even get now on nutrition. I think that there was always a a feeling, feel as a bit of an outsider, but sort of looking in, it always seemed that um, nutrition was sort of last, and actually that there were lots of other things, like you say. Um, prescribing medicines to try and solve issues whereas I'm actually a true believer in that you know you are what you eat to quite a great extent and you can influence your health outcomes significantly from from eating a really nutritious and and healthy balanced diet and um and I think there are some great role models now that are that are changing changing those attitudes um it's about shifting that perception mm -hmm. isn't it as as you say changing those attitudes yeah so We'd love to hear more 
about the the range so um the perkier range so in particular the um immune boosting bars which i have read about on on your website and i think during these really quite tricky times that we're living in hopefully coming to an end uh, an end to it at the moment but during these tricky times when we're all really acutely aware of the need to stay healthy and keep our immune systems in tip-top condition not just to protect ourselves but but to protect the vulnerable and society at large. Um, yeah, tell us, tell us about the range and tell us about the immune boosting bars. Great, thank you. Yeah, so I think, you know, immunity has been like an emerging global trend for a number of years, but it really has accelerated, like you've mentioned already since COVID hit. And um, we were sort of aware of it, but not necessarily working too much on it until about February 2020. And when we were hearing more and more news around um, COVID-19, we started to accelerate our our development in this area. So we researched the different vitamins that you can um, add into your diet to support your immune system. So we have um, a range of bars now with 100% of your vitamin D, C and B12, which are all EU authorised um, uh, of vitamins that have got EU authorised claims around um, immunity. And in particular, um, vitamin D is really exciting because the gov- UK government recommends that we all um, supplement our diet with vitamin D, particularly in the autumn and winter months when it's mm-hmm. named as the sunshine um, vitamin. It's actually quite, well, actually it's a little bit cast, uh, overcast today, but generally quite sunny at the moment. But yeah. when, autumn, winter, we don't have very much sunshine, so you're not generating as much vitamin D. Um, so we have the vitamin D supplement, but we also include healthy fats in our bars. So we have peanuts and cashew nuts. And the advantage of having the healthy fats with the vitamin D is that it absorbs the vitamin, your body absorbs the vitamin D much better because it's fat absorbing. Um, so yes, if you, if you did like literally just take a supplement with vitamin D, drank it with a glass of water, then your body's was pretty much going to flush it out. Whereas if you, if you consumed, um, the vitamin D with a with a healthy fat, then it'll do you a lot of good. Um, so yeah, that it's a super interesting. That is super. In- I feel like I've been on this really steep learning curve just um, researching you in in the last in the last few days. Um, I mean, it's just it's super interesting. Even um, the learning about the difference between probiotics and prebiotics. Um, I mean, the gut is just such an incredible organ i actually had to double check that do we refer to the gut as an organ yeah yeah i think, I think we do don't we yeah. um so just just building on on the science here um how, are you do you work with a, a team of nutritionists and and scientists so i mean the, the point about absorption of um nutrients and minerals and vitamins that's that's just such an interesting one and when people know about that then then surely it's a it's a no-brainer to consume your bars rather than sort of take a tablet with mm-hmm. a, a glass of water so tell us about how how it works with the nutritionists and the scientists yeah so actually we do do a lot of research in-house um we're we're all quite a bit we're all quite geeky and um i particularly put the geeky hat on steve's head who's my partner and on um holly's head who's um who's our in-house nutritionist um, okay do do a huge amount of research in-house and then when we need to as well we reach out to experts in the field so um for example holly was at reading university where she studied uh, food and nutrition and so we've met um uh, some real experts in gut health um through collaborations with reading university but actually we um managed to sort of eat up quite a lot of uh, scientific studies ourselves so for example on the 
um, issue around immunity, there was a meta study um, of 25 random control um, studies that uh, one of the professors at Queen Mary University in London um, pulled together, which showed that vitamin D has um, a direct correlation with preventing respiratory infections. So I think it's a matter of... um, yeah, just sort of if you've got some skills in house, then you can actually learn learn a lot, and then reach out for extra help when when we need to. Um, and there's just so yeah. many resources out there, aren't there, to to tap yeah. into? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are, and people love to help. You know, that's the thing as well. That lots of people, when you ask for their advice, or you ask if you say, um, I think there's yeah, I think there's something really interesting about you know, there's lots of academic knowledge out there about actually how much of it is applied into food and nutrition is relatively limited. So I think when you do reach out to you know people that have um, you know experts in universities and other other research bodies that are really you know at the cutting edge of of science and you say actually, but I'm really excited about applying what you've researched into a product that consumers can go mm. and buy at Sainsbury's and it's going to be affordable and it's going to do the job that you think you know, we need to be doing for our bodies, then, you know, it's a win-win really for side. People are keen to collaborate and keen yeah. to share the knowledge. That yeah. is so, so refreshing to hear. Um, just just moving on, Anne, to palm oil. So yeah. you and and, 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 the, and the team at Perkia are very vocal when it comes to palm oil and indeed you are proudly palm oil free. Tell mm-hmm. us more. Yeah, so we've been passionate about palm oil for a number of years. In fact, Steve and I went on holiday to Borneo probably about 15 years ago to, to visit the orangutan sanctuary. So when we set up Perkyo, it was a bit of a no-brainer that we would be mm-hmm. palm oil free. But um, yeah, we just get really upset at the the level of um, deforestation that t- takes, past, takes place in Borneo and um, Malaysia and um, and Indonesia. So so, yeah, so for example, about a century ago, there were about 230,000 orangutans. Um, now there's about 100,000 and they're critically endangered by, um, world, um, the WWF. Um, we work with international animal rescue international we work with international animal rescue which is um a great charity based out in borneo that rescue rescue and rehabilitate orangutans and um alan who heads up um alan knight who's ceo of the charity um he estimates the entire wild population of um, orangutans could be extinct within the next 25 years oh my gosh Um, it's just criminal it just it has to stop. And as consumers, we we have choices in terms of the products that, that we buy. So we need to be making a better ethical choice, don't we? We do. And I think it's been, you know, palm oil, palm oil is prolific. It's in, you know, breads, it's in um, lipsticks, it's in shampoos, it's in peanut butter. And I think the peanut butter um, community, you know, some of the brands operating in that space have done a really good job of raising the profile of there's a choice here. You could have the peanut butter with palm oil or the peanut butter without. But in cereal bars, I feel like it's quite forgotten. Um, but from research that we've conducted, we can sh- we know we know that about nine in ten healthy snackers want a palm oil free snack bar, but only one in ten, which is us, is actually palm oil free. Um, so education is really key, and, and giving choice to consumers so they can they can take the option they want to. 
The peanut butter is just a particular gripe of mine because mm-hmm. it does not need palm oil, and the and the the, the natural um, peanut oil provides it with you just have to i think as consumers we just need to change the way that we think about peanut butter when we open our jar of peanut butter we need to be ready to give it a stir and then and we don't need the palm oil so so yeah it's about it is about shifting um those those perceptions and those habits and i think consumers do have a tremendous amount of power with their wallets mm. so we can we can put pressure on manufacturers to to just to do the right thing yeah. really yes exactly um, yeah but but gosh all the very best with your with your efforts there and some of those um sort of predictions and forecasts with regards to the orangutans are just absolutely heartbreaking so hopefully yeah hopefully if we can all pull together and some of those really scary predictions might mm-hmm. hopefully not not come true yes yeah um, I wanted to just move on to brand, um, if that's okay. And so when I am not interviewing founders of awesome businesses um, like yours, I work for a creative branding agency beyond. So I appreciate the power of brand. So I would love to ask you a few questions about the Perkia brand journey and what inspired you to invest in brand from an identity point of view. Now, you've already mentioned the, the free from ranges um, and the gluten-free ranges that are available are pretty kind of they're just a bit vanilla looking aren't they they're just a bit drab and a bit sort of there's a lot of brown and and yellow going on um yeah. obviously your the perky brand is just so bright and and and, and joyful um so tell us tell us what, what Tell us about the, the journey in terms of investing in, in your brand identity and how that all came about. Yeah, so, well, I guess one of the first things on our brand was deciding what to call it. Um, so, yeah, we had uh, flip charts all around the house and we were coming up with all sorts of different things, uh, different names. Some of them were very dodgy. Um, but I think we, <laughs> we definitely wanted to put joy, you know, celebration back into the free from category because we felt like it was it, – it, it, it just felt a bit like a third rate sort of category area for consumers that really wanted to have a really positive relationship with food as I did. So, yeah, so the first thing was to create the name and it's actually a mashup of our surnames. So my surname is Perkins, my partner's Turner. Um, so, yeah, so we Perfect. mash up. So, um, and then I think once you've got a name like Perkia, you really have to make sure that it's vibrant and colourful. And when we can talk to consumers, because we, we love chatting to consumers and understanding and doing our own, you know, consumer research, we're going with our own points of view, but, you know, make sure that they can be, um, you know, backed up with what, what other people want. Um, from our offer, then they were definitely saying that, yeah, a lot of the brands in the category were dull and boring and they wanted something that was quite, quite simply bit more perky <laughs> i love it how you also use the word perky and perk up throughout your 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 verbal identity as well so your your consumer messaging yeah. yes yeah it's actually um yeah it's quite easy to sort of i i think it does i think for us as a sort of tone of voice it gives us a really good steer to start with that you know we are the brand that is really positive and upbeat and um you know even when things are really really quite challenging you know we always take a more positive and upbeat 
um, stance. And I think it helps from an internal point of view as well, like how we manage ourselves as a team and our interactions, like with everybody that we touch, because I've talked, you know, a, a lot about, you know, the consumer facing side of the business, but actually how we manage our relationships with our customers and our suppliers. Um, but, you know, everything sort of flows through and that, you know, we are a perkier, hopefully a very perkier customer to deal with whoever, whoever's talking to us. Yeah. So, and that, I just think it's so important that your, your brand essence and your brand identity runs through every touch point mm. from your consumers through to your mm. trade, through to the way that you talk to, uh, and deal with your suppliers as well. Yeah. It's a, it needs to be like a, a thread of, a thread of steel and consistent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. This episode is sponsored by Beyond a creative agency specialising in branding and communications for purpose-led businesses and those who want to shine a spotlight on their ethical and sustainable credentials. Today's consumers want brands to use their power and influence for good, and the team at Beyond are experts at unlocking these brand stories and bringing them to life. Head over to thisisbeyond.co.uk to take a look at some of their work and find out more. So we've talked a little bit about, um, about consumers. So being clear on your target audience, um, those personas and, and knowing who they are really is key to, to any brand success. So mm-hmm. tell us about your audience and how you identify them. Yeah. So, um, ultimately our audience are people that care about the planet and they care about their health. And like everybody, they don't want to compromise on taste. Um, but yeah, I mean, although we started from very much a free from perspective, you know, we have a, a large proportion of our customer base, you know, more than half of our customer base don't necessarily need to avoid gluten or dairy. They may choose to be vegan or plant based or would just want to have more plant based foods in their, in their diet. Um, cause those are things that we tick the box on too. But really there, it starts from a, a perspective of health and, um, ethics. And we find age and life stage can be a little bit of a distraction. Um, because really these sort of like attitudes and behaviors can, can touch somebody on, on any stage of their life. So, you know, we have a wide age, um, age range of consumers that buy into Perkia yeah, from people you know um kids in their teens right through to people in in the in their 60s or even 70s you know that can enjoy um a perky air snack okay and is it very much a an an on the go out of home sort of consumption or is there a bit of a mixture yeah there's a bit of a mixture but a lot of it is on the go but i guess on the go could be that you're sitting at your office desk and you've got your snack drawer and you're you're grabbing a few um you know bite to eat with 11z's or taking a snack into the to a meeting um but yeah i mean pre-covid times obviously things have been a bit more um bit difficult since uh you know since the lockdowns have taken place where people aren't going to the gym or going to university or schools necessarily at certain times during the last year um, and aren't commuting to office in the same way. Um, more of our business now is, is sort of in-home or sort of restricted on the, on the go. And I guess we don't, we don't really know what this new world is going to look like, do we, in terms of mm. people sort of working from home more or working from, mm. working from offices. So I guess that's a little bit of a, a wait and see, uh, as we start to yeah. return to, to our new normal. I know that you, that you've, um, slightly, uh, 
slightly sort of off off topic but on topic here um just just talking about covid in this sort of tricky past year i know that you have donated to um the trussell trust and, and food share you've been really generous with with those donations tell us a little bit about that yeah so i mean as when when things started to get, look pretty uh tough i guess last year yeah pretty grim um not so perky. Um, Not so perky, but hopefully you brought a bit of perkiness to the slightly yeah. grim, grim times. Yeah, I mean, there were some obvious things that we needed to do for the business to start with, which was just making sure that we conserved cash. You know, that was the cash is king at, the, at any time when a business is going through some challenges. So once we've done quite a quick sort of review of, well, what are our expenses? What are our costs? What can we cut? What can, what do we need to continue with? And um, we sat down within the same week as a team and said, but you know, what else do we want to do? You know, things are, are really difficult for many, many people. And we're very cognizant of the fact that there's a lot of people that live in poverty in, in the UK and, um, and that food banks are essential. And it was quite clear to us that there were going to be more and more people that were going to be um, under under pressure in their own homes to, you know, make ends meet. So um, we decided quickly to d- donate some per- you know, a large proportion of Perkia bars to food banks. We initially um, set a target of 50,000. And every week we asked our community on social media to tell us which food banks they thought would be um, the ones that, that needed our help the most. So we did donate to, you know, national groups like Fair Share, but then local groups like Trussell Trust, um, the Trussell Trust, um, and then particular areas of the Trussell Trust we would be sending um, bars into. But now we've hit, um, well, we're about to reach 100,000. Um, wow. Bars, and we're really, really pleased to be able to help. And it's just a joy, you know, to the messages that we get back and the, the knowledge that we're doing some good. So, yeah, so we work with our supplier as well to make sure that, um, for example, if we're developing new products, that all the new products that we're running, we're developing in the um, test runs are all labelled up with all the ingredients and the allergens that we can also donate them to food banks, um, which in the history of the food industry, usually that sort of like level of product development would be wrapped in clear film. And if it's not used for consumer testing, shared with friends and family, it can't be shared um, with food banks because it doesn't have the right legal information. So um, that's been a really good win. And, and we're really pleased to have been able to help in that way. Oh, I just think, yeah, minimizing, minimizing any kind of waste and doing, doing good is just, is just absolutely the way forward. Gosh. So con- congratulations on that. And for all of those, um, those contributions. Um, back to, just back to the, the consumer, um, briefly and, and the, and the brand, um, story and the science. There's, there's obviously, there's heaps of nutritional science behind the brand and behind the product. How do you connect with consumers and get them to actually understand it all? Um, I mean, your, your website is a fantastic, um, resource if, if you, if you are able to sort of sit down as consumer and just, mm-hmm. just work your way through. Uh, but, but yeah, how do, how do you get that info over to the consumer? Yeah, it's a really interesting point because, um, the consumer has different consumers have a different level of knowledge to start with and a different, 
appetite i think for for hearing nutritional knowledge i think you know the, there is a a group of consumers that will buy into perkia that literally just want to get the essence of the fact that this is a healthy snack bar from the packaging will be enough for them to buy in to be loyal to the brand whereas other consumers want to dig in further so um, i guess packaging would be one of the first parts where we try and make sure that all our information is clear clearly communicated on packs so um for example um on this bar here you can see that we've got the immune um, message and the vitamin um symbol and then we've got some other sort of fun um symbols around the side so high in fiber for example with a punch and a dumbbell for the protein um so that's sort of a quick um, shorthand to, to understand some of the benefits. Um, social media is really useful, but it's much more useful for sort of like quite pithy sort of quick comments and little videos mm -hmm. that you share. Um, but we are starting to develop um, slightly long, longer content for social media now through animation, um, which has been really useful. So, for example, for the bars that we have with probiotics, and um, we've created an animation which actually shows the journey of the probiotics through the body and the benefits that they bring. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, so, so yeah. that animation, that's that's a, a more engaging way to, to really sort of get the science across. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, um, and even quite complicated, well, and, and even topics that, um, you know, consumers will say, oh, yes, I, I, I've heard of prebiotics and, and I know that they're good for me, but I don't really know what they do. Um, but the, what, what they actually do is they, they're the food really that the probiotics eat. So they're the, the good food for the good gut bacteria. So we show a journey where the probiotics with their little shells, because we micro encapsulate all our probiotics. So they survive the gut transit. So they show, um, basically me eating a bar and then the journey through the body, but with fun animations. And then when they get to the lower intestine, where they're going to do you good, eating the prebiotics and then multiplying and multiplying and sort of out competing the bad gut bacteria and then talk about the benefits at the end of the animation. And it's amazing. We get it all across in about 60 seconds. Um, it's, it's real science that is just yeah. presented in a, in a fun and engaging way and a not too much of a kind of the sort of geeky, nerdy, yeah laboratory uh style language in fact none of that Definitely. at all it's just completely completely yeah. uh, understandable yeah. so um so you've mentioned social media and obviously your bars are your your own sort of real estate for getting those messages across how what what do you what else do you find works in terms of of, of marketing um so social media and packaging are yeah. a great sort of owned channels I guess what yeah. what else works and what doesn't work what have you tried you know our listeners always like to see see both sides yeah I think um I think the animation the sort of video content's really exciting for us now but I think touched that touched on that um events really work for us in normal times you know outside of the current um, environment events and sampling because when consumers actually try a perkier bar and they realize that it tastes really really good that's when you've got them hooked um so getting getting the getting the snacks in in, in the target consumers hands is really key so um we we usually attend a lot of food shows 
and they could be vegan focused or fitness focused. Um, we attend a lot of sports events um, where we um, sample the bars at different pit stops. So we work with a company called Threshold Sports and we're one of their main sponsors and we sample about 30,000 bars at their ultra marathon um, runs and their bike rides. Um, and it's a fantastic experience actually as well as a, as a brand owner because you're there in the moment when consumers are really enjoying and eating your product because they need that energy. They need that boost of, of, of health and nutrition. And they'll come up to you at the pit stops and they'll say, your bars have like, you know, just got me through the last like 12 miles. And uh, I really love oh. this flavor. And, uh, you know, and this is the one that I really love and I'll be buying it online afterwards and and you get all sorts of um uh types of consumers running these events as well so you have at the elite end you know consumers that literally will run um elite athletes that will run you know 100k up and down you know the south downs in about seven and a half hours and you'll have other people that are running are walking it for charity over two days to raise cancer for their local hospice or for you know for breast cancer research so um there's all sort of you know reasons for people to get engaged but they they really love chatting and we get a lot of insight from those events um, and, and just love the buzz I bet I bet you get some great anecdotal feedback, um, and and I'm sure yeah. I'm sure all sort of positive responses. Yeah. But do you do you sometimes get sort of ideas and uh, kind of food for thought from from your customers? Yes, definitely. Different flavors, different sort of product mm-hmm. formats, different ideas, different health benefits um, that they might want to want us to to push 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 harder on that we we're operating in already but they want us to push it push it harder or or some new offers that they want us to provide so yeah when when you hand out those samples how do you then really try to drive that consumer to, to sort of to convert them into a sale do you do you provide like an an additional like a like a coupon an additional kind of hook just to help them through their purchase funnel yeah so if it's an event where they're taking something away with them then we would always include some sort of like materials that they could take with them or they could take a photo and and follow up on it afterwards which would have like an offer code and I'm a big believer in setting up offer codes that are trackable so we sell on Amazon and you can set up um source tags um on Amazon what's the tech, techie words but basically codes that you can then yeah. link back so whether it was on a particular website or a particular event or even in a magazine you can set up individual codes um if it's at a sports event, like with Threshold Sports, and they'll send out um, e-shots, e-newsletters, they'll have links on their website, and they will also um, help us through social media. Um, so we can get in touch with people that way too. Um, so, yeah, and then I guess if the, the brand's um, you know, stuck in people's minds and they always, you know, they come through to us um, through emails as well and through messages on social media, and we're always at the other end, it's either myself or Holly um, answering the queries and uh, and helping people find what they want. So it's a really sort of like a, a close-knit team with that yeah. personal service. Yeah, there's only four of us in the company. Um, yeah, we're a really small team. I mean, there's lots of people that help us, of course, on our journey. But the, yeah, there's four of us in the Perky team. Yeah. The four core Perky team members. And um, you're, you're currently just available in the UK. So British brand in, in the UK. Do, do you have... Um, expansion uh, uh, goals 
Yes, definitely we do. Yes, we are. We have we have um a little bit of business outside the UK, but it is like percent is UK. And yeah, we've got some big expansion goals. Um within the UK there are places where we're not sold in at the moment, you know, different sure. different shops. Um Amazon's a huge growth opportunity for us. Um so we weren't selling on Amazon until May twenty twenty. Um and um we we launched then um you know, pushed along certainly by the the lockdown on um in the UK at the time, where we knew people would want to to buy and have products delivered to home, and growth in Amazon has been phenomenal ever since we launched, and we've now been invited onto their Launchpad program, which is an invite only, um, exclusive membership for fast tracking SMEs, um, and that gives us opportunities in the UK and beyond. Um, so yeah, congratulations, congratulations on that. That's, that is super exciting. So you're available. So you're, you have your own online web shop. Yes. You are on Amazon, which is super exciting. And that feels like a real kind of growth opportunity for you, but also Sainsbury's, Asda and Morrison's. So how, how did you get, I think our listeners are always super interested to hear, um, from founders in terms of how they actually gained that distribution. Any, top tips yeah i think the top tip probably is just to get started um so we started originally we were making all the products at home and we were shipping them through fedex to whole foods in london um, right. and we started really in in that way and um yeah we'd be getting up at the crack of dawn and, and and making the products ourselves um we then um scaled up and, and, and found you know suppliers that would be able to make our products to specification you know high spec high quality specification but our recipes um and some of the retailers um started to see us sort of popping up and um we actually got invited in um for wow initially to asda i think was one of the first, well asda and sains was pretty much at the same time they both spotted us um through social media and being available in some of the high-end stores in london and we were invited in for like a 15 minute pitch for sainsbury's and a bit more of a chat with asda and then morrison's came on board um because again they'd seen us in the marketplace and they invited us in it all happened a lot quicker than we were expecting to be honest um was, was it like dragon's den style pitch were you were you just fully prepped and ready for the for the hard sell or was it kind of relaxing no well (laughs) it was totally prepped but hopefully it came across as being relaxed because relaxed and authentic i'm sure i'm sure it did i think sainsbury said some really lovely things they said that they were excited and they felt like there was a really um really good vibe about the business and that it, it felt a little bit like um the start point when Innocent launched into smoothies and that wow. was just, yeah, really, really, really good. Um, so yeah, so it all sort of took us a bit by surprise, to be honest. And, um, we got invited in and, um, we weren't actually doing sales outreach at that point in time because we, we had our hands completely full and um, with current customers. So yeah. Gosh, it sounds, so it sounds like it really snowballed in a, in a great way, in a, in a positive way. way. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for telling us about the brand, brand journey, your audience, distribution, that whole side of things. Super, super interesting. I've got a few more questions. Yeah. Um, so single use packaging is always a hot topic, always an awkward thing to talk about. Um, it's never far from the headlines in the news. So tell us about your sustainability goals and sort of where yeah. you're heading. Yeah, so I mean, sustainability for us touches a number of different areas and packaging um, is certainly one of them. Um, So all our packaging is fully recyclable. 
Um, but it is single use plastic, as you say. Um, so what we are doing is making sure that we're running as many trials and keeping up on the latest technology as much as we can. So, um, we've got products at the moment in shelf life testing to make sure that they are going to be kept to the, the quality that we need for the, for the whole life of the product. Our products have 12 months shelf life on them. And what we, what we have to be, what you have to be really careful about if you're thinking about changing materials is changing to a material that could ultimately uh, reduce the quality or the life of the product and end up with food waste in a different way. Um, so, yeah, so we're looking at that sort of area. And we're also very excited about um, having the opportunity to have um, a, um, a, an improved um, packaging material that also has a window because seeing the product, as you can see here and on the back on the side mm-hmm. of our bar, you can see the um, layer of chocolate is really important for consumers. So, yes. it, you know, you do well, obviously you eat with your eyes, but actually a lot of people will buy, you know, with what they can see as well. So they don't like um, products that are completely covered over. So that's the sort of technology um, area that we're, we're really uh, championing with suppliers to make sure that we've got solutions available that can uh, that can work. The other thing I think just to be, you have to be really careful about when you think about changing materials is manufacturing efficiencies, because again, there can be materials that are available that could cause a lot of waste in the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, and might not be very efficient to pack. Um, so, you know, at the moment, these, these, you know, the film here, there's, there's, there's no waste of uh, waste materials and we have less than 1% product waste in our, our full supply chain. So, um, we need to make sure that we're hitting those goals as well. I think food waste is something that we don't really talk so much about as an industry, but it's something like about a third of all food that is produced is wasted at some point. Um, yeah and and that's I think that's something that consumers so I think consumers are, are perhaps uh, it's becoming a little bit more on their radar of food waste but but packaging and materials mm-hmm. waste within the within the manufacturing process and the packaging mm-hmm. process that is just not something that is on a consumer's radar I don't think I think that yeah. single-use packaging is talked about a lot but in terms of the yeah. fact that there are some materials that will uh, be perhaps potentially more wasteful than others mm-hmm. is yeah is something that consumers aren't so aware of so so your sustainability goals uh, span a number of mm. of of things yes it's sort of end-to-end really you need to think right from the you know if you're talking about ingredients right from the point where the ingredients are grown right to the point where the consumers consume the product and really understand you know where there might be waste coming through through all those points and that's that's really what we focus on same on packaging materials yeah okay. yeah that is super super interesting yeah great thank you and then the other sort of i guess sustainability goals well so focus for us is palm oil, which we've spoken about. Um, so we never use palm oil. Um, we're vegan, so we're we're plant based, which means that we um, reduce CO two emissions by about fifty percent versus um, products that include uh, meat or dairy products. Um, um, our manufacturer is B Corp certified, so all our products are manufactured in a B Corp um, environment, which we're really proud about. Um, and then, yeah, we we also donate any um, we donate as many products as we possibly can to food banks as well to help. That's brilliant. So it truly is a planet and people friendly business. Yeah. So that is that's that is wonderful. I've just got a couple of final questions, Anne. Um, firstly. What does the future of functional snacks look like? 
Yeah, I think it looks really exciting. I think functional foods is something that has been talked about in the industry probably for decades, but I don't think it has ever really um, become very consumer friendly. And I think the sweet spot really for functional foods is being able to combine taste, health and sustainability. But we'll be starting off with the taste side of things because a lot of functional foods out there just honestly don't taste that good. Um, and most of us will only eat food that we enjoy. You know, we're not we're not doing it just to to feel worthy about things. So um, I think it feels really exciting. I think there's a lot of growth in gut health, um, which is an area that we're playing in. We've got the first um, probiotic snack bars in the UK. Um, but there are lots of other uh, products and other categories um, popping up and a lot of retailers have got it as a as a key focus point. Immunity is definitely a really hot area. Um, a lot, again, a lot of retailers at a strategic level are looking at it as a key trend and you're starting to see products pop up in different categories, which is really exciting. I think maybe something like sleep could be really interesting as well. Um, yes. And, and areas around um, uh, sort of helping you sort of uh, feel better in yourself which gut health um, can really play too but maybe other areas around um, sort of feel good and uh, you know I think a lot of people have, have struggled with mental mental health and other issues in the last year and and as things open up it's I guess in some ways you could think oh it's, it's all going to get sort of better because um, society's opened up again and some of those stresses and strains have gone but at the same time um, some stresses and strains come back with society opening up um, and people have going back to back to life as it was. Yeah, I think I think we've all learnt a lot over the last twelve months, but I think that there will be some there'll be some healing to be done mm. um, from a, a wellness and a, and a mental point of view. So yeah, I think those are those are all really really good points and good good areas. Finally, Anne, many of our listeners are entrepreneurs and individuals with, a, you know, either a great idea or a real kind of burning desire to set up a profitable business that is good for people and planet. What would your top piece of advice be to anyone who is thinking of setting out on their journey to set up a new business? I think the first thing is make sure you're solving a problem that, and you can solve a problem better than anyone else. Because if you can't solve a business problem, then for some, for consumers, then, you know, you're on a bit of a hiding to nothing. So it's a bit of a no brainer, um, probably, but worth mentioning. Um, so the next thing then is just get started, you know, just start, um, researching, start doing, start learning and don't be afraid to ask for some help because people do love to help and love to collaborate. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you learn, you, you can do so much in the planning stage. But actually, it's only when you really start going that you you the learnings just flow through. Yeah, there's often a fear, isn't there? And that mm -hmm. fear just holds us back. So you would say just just yeah, just, just go for it. Go I mean, it. almost like what's the worst that can happen? I mean, honestly, that is what we we went we, we went through. When I was saying to Steve, I really think I might be onto something here. I'd really like to give it a go. Oh, but should I? Shouldn't I? Um. He, he's, he literally says, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, and it was like, OK, once you've had that conversation about, you know, taking away that safety net beneath you, then you you realise like what? Well, yeah, OK, actually, um, it's not so bad as if it doesn't work out. Quite frankly, if it doesn't work out, you're going to have learned a hell of a lot along the way. And you'll never have that that burning question in the back of your mind going, but what if I'd given it a go? So, yeah, so I would, um, yeah, fully encourage people to have a crack at it 
Brilliant. Thank you so much, Anne. It's been really, really interesting chatting to you today and learning more about the the Perkia journey. And we wish you and the team the very best of luck. Thank you.